Hello and welcome to the All-American Maker Podcast. My name is Brendan Hobbum, and today my guest is Dave Dar, who is the owner of Walrus Oil in Springfield, Missouri. Walrus Oil produces several products servicing the wood and leather communities, as well as many skincare products. Today we are going to talk about many different things, including how companies can thrive during these crazy economic times. Uh, introduce yourself a little bit to the listeners and tell us uh, about yourself, about what inspired you to start your business and stuff like that. Okay, cool. Like, super short introduction or really long? Because <laughs> I can go back far. I mean, I, well, I, I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, and, you know, went to college there. And after that, I just, you know, sort of traveled around the country. And I think I moved about 15 times you know, three years and, uh, started getting into refinishing antique furniture in Grand, Grand Rapids, Michigan when I was living there. And a couple of years later ended up in Springfield, Missouri and, you know, long story short, just got into more woodworking and started to, you know, I, I, that's, that's when I started Walmart Solo, basically. Um, I was already kind of toying around with the different finishes that I was, you know, coming up with myself and eventually just put a barcode on it basically. <laughs> yeah. So where did you get the name water soil? Uh, the name just kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> I wish I had like a super awesome story. Like I, you know, was like traveling in Alaska and got into a fight with the walrus. Like that would be really awesome. <laughs> but yeah, but it was just, Literally just sitting around and drinking a beer. I'm like, well, water soil works. That sounds cool. Definitely. Kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, it's definitely memorable. And for at least a year now that I've been seriously diving into Instagram, I have been seeing your name everywhere, seeing a lot of woodworkers use your products. And uh, I've even seen your product line expand a little bit. And it's been pretty cool because it's like, well, there's – that's a very interesting name and it sticks out and the branding is definitely eye catching. You can uh, pick it out of photos and different things. And so I can definitely tell that you've put a lot of thought into it and done a great job with all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. So yeah, I mean, br branding is a pretty important thing for us. I mean, I went to school for marketing. Um, so I've always loved just the idea of, uh, I mean, I've always loved his brand, you know, like I, when, I'm not really a big Nike fan anymore, but when I was in college, I was a super big fan of Nike okay. and uh, <clears throat> that sort of thing. And, you know, I've always been kind of like a brand loyal guy, whether it's what I wear, or what I drink and, and, uh, you know, yeah. So like naturally if I own a business, I'm going to put a, a whole lot of effort into the branding and the design and all that. Yeah, so have you had to do anything to really get your name out there? Like, did you do any pushes initially, um, or did you just No, man. It? We were so, like, fortunate. It's really weird. I, I didn't spend any money on marketing for uh, a while after we started. I basically just, you know, I was brewing up finishes, you know, for, for myself, and then I was like, well, heck, I'll just, I think I just said, like, I'll just make 12 cans or maybe 24 cans, 
Mm-hmm. And I just like printed off these little crappy stickers and I think I even hand cut them. And I was already like on Instagram, like personally. And I think we had like 400 followers, like for just some random personal Instagram page I had. Huh. And uh, I found like maybe it, I think like 10 people. And I was like, hey, would you be interested in like just me sending you my finish and trying it out? And I legitimately only wanted to get feedback. I had I never even thought about people would, you know, make videos and take photographs with it. Like it just it just never crossed my mind, right? I just <laughs> I don't yeah. know. And and it was like the first guy that got a can made a video and it got, you know, maybe a couple hundred views and then it just kinda kept happening from there. And, you know, most people just bought it. I mean, it was weird. It's like within the first week, we were like maybe sold like a dozen cans, and mm-hmm. I kind of kind of thought it was not real at first, like it was maybe like fake orders or something because it was happening so quick. <laughs> and it's really never stopped. It's just been growing ever since. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's definitely not typical for most products to just kind of take off on their own. No, it's not, man. I've had dozens of businesses before this, and, you know, only one or two of them actually did anything, you know, remotely decent. And then all the other ones just failed, or it took me months to get a first order. So it's just, it's just like super cool <laughs> for, for this to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and you can definitely tell, like, some products like yours, you probably spent time uh, perfecting how they worked because you personally wanted to use them on your own products. And yeah, so that's how it exactly. came about versus just trying to make a product to sell it. You actually took the time and you were like, I want to make a product that I can use for myself. That's high quality that I believe in and trust in because the end product for me is using it on my own uh, things that I create. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and of course, you know, now, now that we got such a big following, it's like if you come out like a crappy product, and just as just as many people that talk good about you could all of a sudden talk bad about you. So there's always this pressure of, um, you know, just making sure our products are high quality and we're using high quality ingredients and even the packaging. I mean, for a while there, people were kind of complaining. Which is rightfully so. Like we we didn't really have the squeeze cap. We we just had like a cap you mm-hmm. screw off and you pour you pour the oil. And we had enough complaints to where, you know, it was kind of spilling a lot. And so we started using like the little kind of squeeze caps, like you see on lotion bottles. Well, not lotion bottles, but shampoo bottles. I guess this may be the best. Yeah, because people wanted to have an easier application process. I'm guessing. Yeah. So, so, you know, like, that's fine. That's just more of, like, a functionality thing. But, yeah, if someone's like, this sucks, like, it ruined everything, then that would be a problem. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, pardon my uh, lack of knowledge, so to speak, but, like, do you have a lot of employees that help you produce these products? Is it just yourself? How does that work in your warehouse? So, in our warehouse, um, which is, 4,000 square feet. It's actually just three of us, okay. um, which is amazing because 
like I'm, I won't necessarily get into like hard numbers, but we essentially like we're able to produce just a whole crap load of products yeah. with just three people. And I mean, normally it would be twice as many employees. Like we should be, we should have a half dozen, six or seven people on staff, but mm-hmm. it's just not necessary. Um, so we, we operate super, super efficiently. And most of the stuff is, you know, we're just using kind of like, actually our gallons are hand poured. I mean, we literally pour those by hand. Wow. And all of our, all of our wax products are poured by hand. And, uh, you know, the only thing that require, you know, some kind of machinery is our, um, like our eight ounce bottles and stuff like that. Okay. Um, we got these giant wax melters now that we, we, so we could do one or two barrels a day if we needed to, to kind of melt everything down and mix it. Yeah. It's but, kind uh, of maximizing yeah, your production. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I, I would, I would love to have more employees, but, um, you know, we're, when you're at early stages like this, you, you know, it's, it's, it's like super expensive to, you know, have people on staff, you know, because when you're starting out, you're spending so much money on just everything like trademarks and legal stuff and, you know, even marketing and things like that. Oh yeah. So when you add somebody on, you know, with a thirty, forty thousand dollar salary and multiply that by, you know, five or six, it gets pretty expensive. Um, so that, that's one that's one of the biggest problems for new businesses starting out is when they get to the place where they have to employ people, a lot of times they just can't afford it. So they have to go and get like seed capital or uh, you know, SBA loans literally just to pay salaries because they're, they're not technically profitable enough to pay those salaries. So we've right. fortunately been profitable enough to say want to pay people and grow without having to get like investment money essentially. Yeah. I can definitely recognize that. I own a candle company and right now it's just me and I can yeah. keep up with the orders. But if I was getting orders for a thousand a day or a thousand, a couple thousand a week, I would definitely have to hire someone, but I know for a fact that I couldn't afford it. Yeah. It's weird, man. It, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, basically you would have to increase the cost of your candles in order, in order to afford the help, which is, which is fine, I guess. But, yeah. Um, it's kind of hard because, uh, I I do mostly a custom wholesale pricing tier and okay I'd have to sell a lot of candles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because people are like, "Well, I want to mark it up 50% in order to retail it and uh in order to do that and not have it be priced out of anyone's ability to sell, I have to sell it for a low enough cost." Yeah. Yeah, man, it's complicated. I mean, it was there's there's a learning curve to this stuff. I think when we we're starting out, like our retail price for, you know, like our first product was like seven dollars ninety nine cents, and after a wholesale, like our profit was like fifty cents. And it's funny because, you know, I think when when companies grow fast, there's always these people that are on like. Reddit or Facebook, I just want to like talk crap 
Yeah. Like, oh, you guys are just going straight to the bank. And then I will like get on there and be like, no, like I'll do everything short of showing them my bank account statements and being like, so look, I literally <laughs> do this on the side till two or three in the morning and I make pretty much no money. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, it is like, it's like a freaking hustle to the nth degree. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Like I, I basically was like, I'm going to, I'm not necessarily competing against other like boutique makers that, that are selling kind of like homebrewed finishes. Like I, I have from the, from the start, I'm like, I compete against all these brands that are in Lowe's and Home Depot, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's, that's where I wanted, I, mean, I want to be at that level eventually, you know, so I just, I might as well go ahead and start being price competitive now, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And what most you know, the economics don't, don't work. Oh, and I was just going to say Sorry. that what most people don't realize is that in order to compete with that, you'd have to be purchasing your your bottles and your <laughs> materials at enough quantities to make like tens of thousands at a time. Exactly. Or you just pay a lot more. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's literally what I did. So I was, so I basically priced everything out at like assuming that, okay, well, if I buy, 10,000 bottles, my cost will be, you know, let's just say a quarter or something. Mm-hmm. But if I buy like a hundred bottles, my cost would be two bucks. Yeah. So what I did was essentially it was like, I bought a hundred bottles for two bucks, but I priced everything as if the bottles were actually a quarter because that's the goal of where I want to be. Hmm. So that's why like the margins were so small, but you have to like want to actually be that big. Like I, I want to be a big company, but not everybody does. And that's fine. Like if you want to make candles and who's the big candle company? Like is it PF candle company? Yeah. In California. That, yeah. They're like massive. Like they have like 50 employees or something crazy. Yep. You know, it's like if, if you want to be that big, you know, you have to kind of like really fight for it and from the start and kind of suffer and not really make a whole lot of money, but it's also okay just to be just you and you make, you know, 20,000 bucks a year of like just side money. You can go to Hawaii with your family or whatever <laughs> and keep your day job like that. It's all fine. It never makes people happy, I guess, you know? Yeah, and it's crazy yeah. because they price their candles at about $10 more than I have mine, but because yeah. they're such a large company and they have name recognition, they're able to sell them for that. Yeah, it makes me think of uh, Lush Cosmetics. Uh, they're out of Vancouver. Um, they, they're, they're like super high boutique, like like mostly female products, like hand creams and bath bombs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's the same freaking thing. Like you get like a little one out little like little tin can of like face cream. It's like 30 bucks. Right. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, then you have somebody and they're like a billion dollar company and you got some, you know, some girl across the street from you that makes the same thing, sells it for $8 and yep. can't barely sell, you know, 50 of them or something. Like, it's just weird, man. <laughs> yeah. And, but, uh, um, I would say uh, name recognition is big, but then really just getting people that believe in your product to get behind you. Yeah, it's true. Or just your mission. 
I mean, I think a lot of people were really into us at first. Uh, well, they still are, but people have been really into us because we're just big on not having synthetics and toxins and weird additives. Um, like there's no VOCs, and so people just like us for that. But there's, you know, there's like Tom shoes. I don't know if you remember them, mm-hmm. but you, know, you buy a pair of their shoes, and they give a pair of shoe, you know, a pair of shoes away to, you know, someone in Africa or something like that. So yeah, there's, it's, it's funny because they cost I, like I, sixty bucks, but it costs like three dollars <laughs> to make a pair. So it costs them like six dollars to make the two pairs, and then they're exactly fifty four bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. There's, there's. I mean, I don't want to talk about it. Huh? There's been some like. Well, I just won't go there. But, sure. Like, I, I think that, I think that basically, they were doing that. But the only problem was, well, okay, I'll talk about. It. So the only problem was is like, the shoes they were, they were giving away to these kids in Africa weren't actually the Tom's shoes. Like people thought they were. Oh. So there was a. So that's like a lesson learned, on you know, being just a hundred percent transparent that like, okay, well you buy a pair of shoes. They also get a pair, but it's technically not like the super fancy Tom shoes. Like what we're, I think what they were doing was, is they were, um, acquiring either used shoes. Like they do that in other countries. It's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, like just pre-worn clothing or factory seconds and that sort of thing. Okay. You know, for, for like, a few nickels a pair kind of thing. Wow. But uh, people kind of got pretty pissed about that. But Of course, it could be a rumor, too. That's why I'm like, little disclaimer, I'm not trying to fame Tom shoot. No. But, you know. Definitely. But, yeah, if, yeah, if you want to do, like, the whole, like, you, know, you, you can call it, like, green labeling, like, being more environmentally friendly. Like, you, ha- you have to be, like, super transparent on how all that's being executed because people will like hang you from a tree just as quick as they will support you. Yep. <laughs> you know, but so have you guys had to innovate at all during this whole COVID-19 time? Um, a little bit. So we, uh, we, we had the hand soap that came out recently and we were, I'm actually shooting to have that out by, by Christmas. So we're like, well, let's just go ahead and get it out now because supposedly there either is or was or there's going to be a uh, a shortage on hand soap. Like just, there's a shortage on everything, right. like basically in bathroom products. So we're like, well, we'll go ahead and get it out now so people have it. Yep. You know, and I think I got on Amazon, saw like a little bottle, like a one ounce bottle with like dial soap going for 30 bucks. Because people are like price gouging. So I was like, yeah, let's get this out and actually just do the normal fair pricing so people don't have to pay 30 bucks for hand soap. <laughs> right. As long but, as the materials aren't astronomically expensive, there's no reason to price gouge people. Exactly. Yeah. They're, they're putting a stop to that pretty hardcore. Like there's like that, that, uh, that dude, that douchey dude in Tennessee that went, he like drove across the country in a U-Haul and started buying up all the hand sanitizer he could get his hands on. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw that story. I think and, so. Yeah, like really. And Amazon kicked him off and all that. And 
Um, he ended up having to give it all away. But I think the state of Tennessee is, is the, the FBI, like the local FBI version of Tennessee, is like getting him for basically price gouging, essentially. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I know that kind of even weird. like hand sanitizer gel that you use in order mm-hmm. to make hand sanitizer is actually really hard to get right now because it um, is like companies like mine that make candles, like no one's buying candles. So they're like, well, let's start making hand sanitizer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We looked into it and we could have, I mean, we could have bought, you know, basically just alcohol and mix it with glycerin, but, um, mm-hmm. it's actually like, it's, it's pretty dangerous to, um, bring in alcohol like that. Like it's, cause when we would buy it by the barrel yeah, and, uh, it's super, it's basically explosive. So if, if you, you know, get a spark in there, it could technically ignite the whole thing. Right. It's all <laughs> the fumes. I was like, I don't want to turn into hamburger meat, you know, so I'll just, Maybe not do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't need to risk everything for it. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. But, no, we're, we're actually faring pretty well. We, we had a couple of weeks where it got a little bit scary. We saw some dip in, whole, you know, some dips in wholesale orders and then um, Amazon and stuff like that. But it's picked up quite a bit lately. So That's good. Yeah, it's good, and we and we we even like kept all our employees, you know, on staff even when there was a couple of weeks where there was virtually nothing to do. Yeah. So they, you know, I didn't I didn't want like I was for sure losing sleep for a, a little bit, but I didn't want my employees losing sleep. So I just made sure that you know they know that I'm not going to like fire anybody, and then then like rehire them that doesn't make any sense to me how companies are doing that but yeah it's definitely not a easy time for anybody no it's not i mean i I don't i don't like think anyone's bad for doing that because i get it that like you're literally going to go out of business forever and go bankrupt if you keep everybody on staff like i get that part Mm -hmm. but um you know we weren't we weren't exactly starving to death so i was like well i'll just keep everybody on and, and we're good now, so it's, yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm guessing there's a lot of DIYers at home who are bored and like, well, I need some Waller soil so I can continue my projects because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> it is, man. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's weird because I, I feel super fortunate and blessed and happy that we're not suffering. But also, there's also this feeling of guilt. Because, I mean, I have personal friends that have, like, lost their jobs, and they're not getting it back. And I know there's a lot of, you know, I've seen some woodworking friends on Instagram that have literally said we're going out of business and, like, shutting our doors. Yeah. And the walrus oil is doing okay. So there's this, like, like little feeling of guilt, you know? Like, I don't want to, like, pat myself on the back and be like, oh, good for me, because there's just so many people suffering and it's like sucks. I'm kind of like not an emotional person, but like I, I tend to like carry the, the burdens of like anybody and everybody, even if they're a stranger. Mm-hmm. So when I see somebody make a post on Instagram, like, Oh, we might be losing our home. I mean, I feel it, you know, I mean, it's like, it's, 
I don't just zoom past it and go look at pizza pictures, you know, that kind of thing. I just, I'm, I'm like kind of let it marinate, I guess, because it sucks, you know, but, uh, I yeah. think it's going to get better. I mean, I think, I think our country, not to get into politics, I mean, I think what they're doing with the stimulus package and just giving everyone free money and giving businesses free money, like that, I think that's going to save the economy, um, personally. Yeah, and it's um, going to definitely take some innovation and in people who are willing to hustle in order to succeed. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah, some people are just going to take the money and just just leave it in the bank or, or just go on a trip and blow it all on beer or something. <laughs> but uh, other people, you know, are going to take it and invest it back into their businesses and their people and probably be more good. Yeah, definitely. And I definitely think even though there are some people who are going out of business and there are people who are going to lose a lot, there are those of us that like, we're going to make it. And it's also a gift. I feel like that there are some of us who can give back, who can do things to affect change and make it uh, a better world for the people who do come out of this still in business, still uh, thriving, even though it might not be uh, making millions or anything like that, that yeah, we're working together. And that's really my goal with all American maker and the different things that I do is that, you know, we're all in this together. Like it's not about like a no, every sure. man for himself or every maker for themselves. It's like, we all want to support each other because you know, no one can build a business on their own. Like if there weren't any makers buying walrus oil, there would be no walrus oil. <laughs> You're absolutely correct, man. I mean, it, it we like we we live in a in a an amazing country. Like it's I'm one of those rare people that's actually pro tax, mainly because I've traveled to third world nations and I've seen what what countries look like when there's like no tax money and no investment. Mm-hmm. Like they tax us. It sucks. We have to pay it. But then we have roads, right? And we have police officers and firefighters and infrastructure and so much stuff that supports, you know, small businesses like ourselves. I mean, it's, we have probably one of the most amazing, you know, mailing, you know, like the U.S. Postal Service and FedEx and, and UPS, like one of the most amazing and efficient, uh, I don't know what you would call it, shipping. Shipping and or, distribution. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Like, like, like logistics. We probably have one of the best logistics in the world, in my personal opinion. I, I, I've never studied it, but mm-hmm. it's crazy. Like, you know, it's just, it's amazing how quickly, basically, you can just start a business and just ship stuff all over the United States, and it, it can get to most people within two or three days and be on their doorstep. Yeah, from and, east uh, to west coast. Yeah, and so like, yeah, like it's like as you're saying, like it takes a village. It takes, you know, friends in the woodworking community. It takes the government. It takes, you know, hell, everybody. Healthcare workers, you know, like everybody. Um, I think this is for sure going to unify unify our country. I mean, we've we've been so divided over the stupidest crap like mm-hmm. we've been divided over just basically politics and religion and everything in between 
And I think this is kind of a, there's like a famous person that said that the coronavirus is, has been like the great equalizer. Like it doesn't matter if you're worth a dollar or like a hundred million dollars. Like we're all right. the same right now. Um, it humanizes everyone. But, yeah. So American made is going to be huge, man. After this, it's going to be freaking massive. More, more important and bigger than it's ever been. Probably in my opinion. Oh yeah, because uh, I just read an article the other day about how, like in the 1950s, the number one uh, economy in the United States was manufacturing, and now a lot of that yeah. has moved overseas. And now the number one thing in the U.S. is restaurants, and yeah, they're hurting like crazy. But it's it's put a lot of strain on those restaurant owners about the fact that like there is no manufacturing like it used to be to to fall back on for people to find jobs in. It's just like, well, if, right. I, if I can't work in a restaurant, then where can I work? Yeah, we are very much like service industry and hospitality. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of become our thing. But yeah, it's it's going to come back and quite frankly, we have no choice but for it to come back. <laughs> yeah. Um this has got to happen. Um, there's like so many opportunities too. And people that are listening to this podcast are probably sitting around thinking like, well, what now? I mean, first off, every, everybody is home making babies right now. I mean, it's <laughs> like a science. No, I'm serious. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the next big thing, once this coronavirus crap passes, there's going to be lines out the door to freaking give birth here come November. Right. And so, now is the time to start thinking about making like natural baby oil and baby lotions and baby shampoo and yeah. like nipple cream and, and stuff like that for the mom like, or mm-hmm. like for uh, like, like belly cream, you know, and then just be ready because there's going to be a need for that. I mean, there's so as, as much as like it, it's, it's kind of evil to say that there's opportunity and like really dramatic, dramatic situations like what's going on. Yep. There's, it's also just there's a it's a fact that there's going to be needs and either Bert bees is going to get all the money or you can get a little bit of it for yourself like when you actually need it <laughs> right um so like american made is going to come back so everyone's going to be wanting to buy american made it really doesn't matter what you make there's going to be opportunity with that and then baby products for sure you know whenever summer comes around people aren't going to want to go to like highly congested places like baseball stadiums they're going to want to go hiking and camping Mm -hmm. and be outdoors so make like stuff for that (laughs) you know and yeah like like, bug repellent like trekking (laughs) but bug repellent or like trekking poles or like just start like another outdoor t-shirt brand i mean there's a because people are sitting around, they just lost their job. Think, well, what the hell do I do next? Well, there you go. There's two. There's two ideas. Yeah, you know? yeah. This is definitely um, a perfect time to innovate and come up with new ideas and figure out, like, ahead of the game, like, what are people going to need next? Like you said, like things related yeah. to babies, things related to getting outdoors away from people, like, <laughs> just ideas yeah, on. True on new business ideas. Yeah. And then just like, I mean, uh, e-commerce, 
is going to be filling up a lot more. So, you know, if there's like certain tech centers like Provo, Utah, or Seattle, or San Francisco, there's pro- there's probably going to be a, a, a hiring spree for like these random companies that just work in the e-commerce industry mm-hmm. or just shipping and stuff like that, shipping products out. And uh, gosh, there was, there was one more thing. It's like I totally forgot about it. I can't think of it because I haven't had enough coffee apparently. But <laughs> <laughs> someone told me there's like three, the, the big three things people are going to be wanting outdoors products. Come on, Dave. Uh, outdoors products, bay products. And then, oh yeah. So um, people are going to be still for a long time scared to eat in restaurants. So like, like starting delivery services for like groceries and food. Kind of like like Uber Uber Eats, but um, a lot of those like really big companies have been getting horrible reputations because apparently somebody did like this big company did a survey and it was like one in three people will eat the food that they pick up. They'll try it, like open it up and grab a couple of French fries or a chicken wing and eat it. So huh. it's kind of it's pretty gross. It's either like thirty percent or twenty five percent or like one in three or one in four, and uh, um, so yeah, there's gonna be probably people are gonna want other delivery service options out there because of that. But I don't know. Yeah, and I just actually read an article about how uh, all of those different apps that people use in order to get food delivered to them actually take almost 30% of what that person paid for their food and the restaurant doesn't get that. So between yeah. the the cost of utilizing the app and the delivery fee, 30% of whatever that restaurant would have normally gotten for that food is gone. And it's really yeah. been unfortunate because there's a lot of restaurants who are hurting right now and that's money that they're not getting. Yeah. And so, so like, you could live, like, like if you're living in a high rise in, you know, Philadelphia or New York City or something like that, you could literally just start Dave's delivery service, right? Mm-hmm. And just fly a flyer under every door in the building and then just wait for them to call you. Yeah. And then, you know, and then just basically be super competitive and, you know, just start, just basically don't take anything from the restaurant. Just make the customer pay you like a $5 fee to go pick it up or something. I right. Just, there's just, there's just opportunities out there basically. That's, yeah. I'm excited to see what happens. <laughs> it's going to be a lot different than 2009. Cause I was in college when the last recession happened. Mm-hmm. It was like horrible, man. <laughs> horrible. Like I couldn't find work. For, uh, I couldn't beg people for work, you know, and wow. it's just kind of, uh, I remember, I always remember, I remember, I remember selling my bed to somebody for 50 bucks because I had nothing else to sell. Like I sold all my music equipment and I was like, well, I have a bed, you know, I needed my desk to do schoolwork in my chair. Mm-hmm. So I sold my bed for 50 bucks and I could eat on it for like three weeks or whatever. Wow. A couple of weeks and uh, slept on the floor for like a whole semester. And, yeah, yeah. I have one of those. I have friends who lived in New York who 
have moved out of New York City and they're never going back and they've lived there for quite a while. Um, it's yeah, because it's just so bad. Yeah, I mean, like they're sending out all these stimulus checks to everyone for like twelve hundred bucks. Well, twelve hundred bucks doesn't even pay your rent for a month in New York. Nah, dude. No, twelve hundred bucks doesn't doesn't pay rent for almost any major city. No, I mean it. I mean, literally, I got a family of six. Like that doesn't even cover food for us. Right. I have a bunch of hungry kids. <laughs> so, um, but it's it's something though. But most people are probably going to blow it on like stupid stuff, which is which is a good thing because it's going to just flood the economy. People are going to mm-hmm. buy like all the crap they would never buy, like nice road bikes or like a guitar or something. Yeah. Just dumb shit. And, uh, that they just would never buy otherwise. And it's going to help because it's just going to flood the economy. But it's like, but yeah, then they can't pay rent. So yeah, it's kind of (laughs) weird. Well, they should all go out to your website and buy a bunch of walrus oil and buy some woodworking equipment and start working in their garage. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, just just give give Dave all your money. Yep. <laughs> no, actually, it, yeah, it, it all does. I, I swear, it all doesn't go to my pocket. That's that's like uh, I always think it's so weird. Like like you know, Instagram, and you know how you see those like people that are like, I started a business, and then they're flying around a private jet. Yeah. Or like a, a Lamborghini, and like and they're and you actually look into what they're doing, and it's like. Doesn't even make any sense how they're making enough money to like buy eight hundred thousand dollar cars. Like it's, it's some of that stuff is just like unfathomable to me. Cause I just drive like a used Volkswagen, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It's interesting. Maybe one day I'll have a Lamborghini and a private <laughs> private jet that costs oh, twenty thousand dollars a flight and fuel. <laughs> oh man. I think if I was even a billionaire, I wouldn't have that stuff. I just you can start businesses and make money, but you don't have to, you don't have to show it off. Right. But uh, there's a lot of companies out there, but there's not a whole lot that you know they get their name out there, and you see a lot in the maker community, and so it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, it's it's really like a, a recipe that anybody can replicate. I mean. Essentially, I mean, I was making cutting boards just like everybody else, and um, I mean, it it for sure was a business strategy to be like, well, I can be like the one in a million people that also makes cutting boards, or I could be the one guy that makes cutting board oil right. for the one million people, and it's just kind of like finding uh, products out there that there's just either not a lot of like, competition. Mm-hmm. Or it's not heavily saturated, or it hasn't been like, you know, modernized. Yeah. You know, like if you go to the if you go to the grocery store or Walmart, and you walk down a lot of aisles, you'll you'll find some aisles where it's like all the options just look retarded. Well, it's definitely yeah, a I mean, recipe for you know future makers and future people who are looking for something to do to think, okay, like what's a niche that I can fill that hasn't been saturated yet? Yeah. But I mean, like, with that being said, you also, if your goal is just to get rich, you're probably going to be miserable. Like, yeah, yeah. Make something, make something that you enjoy making. 
because, uh, you know, I, I, I used to do stuff in the past where it's like, oh, this is going to make me a lot of money. And I would just like fall flat on my face because mm-hmm. there's no heart in it. Right. But, uh, yeah, like I, I was actually just about to talk about her. I have, I have a worker that's really into like dogs, right? And mm-hmm. I'm always encouraging her, well, make dog products. Like, if you want to make, make, make some extra cash or start a business one day. I'm always, I'm always encouraging our employees to like strike out on their own eventually because, uh, you know, no one's going to become a millionaire working for somebody else. Right. Yeah. That's just, that's just the way it is. So, you know, if you want to make a lot of money in life, then either a buy half my business or a crap load of money. <laughs> <laughs> or, or just go start your own business eventually. Yeah. Follow your but, heart you and know. do something you're passionate about. Yeah, but, but, but at the same time, not everybody wants to do that. Like, I have some friends that are totally just 100% happy just working for somebody else, not having to worry about anything. They have their salary, and they take their three or four vacations a year, and they're, they're good. I mean, it's, Yeah. Like, if I wasn't doing this, I would love to work for, like, Patagonia or, like, Black Diamond or some some brands like that. Like I would happily work for somebody else, like a, a, you know a, a company of that caliber. Yeah, yeah, it's but, kind uh, of a tipping point for most entrepreneurs where they're like, well, if what I'm I'm passionate about doesn't pay enough to pay the bills. There is some yeah. security in working for someone else. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the thought literally crossed my mind. Like a few, I'm not even kidding. A few weeks ago, I'm like, well, if we end up going under, like, what am I gonna, like, who am I gonna go work for? But we're, we're fine. But yeah, there, there is like, when you work for somebody else, usually you don't have to lose sleep at night or be yeah. sick to your stomach worrying about how you're gonna pay for the billing rent or something. Yeah, you don't so. bring your work home with you as much. Ah, uh, dude. Yeah. You know, I mean, with your candle business, I'm sure that, like, your brain never stops working. It's um, usually in trying to figure out how I'm going to be able to sell them. <laughs> yeah. So are you um, are you selling a lot of candles, or are you trying to? Like, what's, what's your... Not currently. So my biggest time when I sell, because it's custom products that other either companies will use to add to their product line or utilize as marketing tools. They buy them usually between September and November, and then they kind of get them out there over the Christmas season when people are purchasing gifts. And that's usually the best time. Um, Ordinarily, uh, some stores in more tourist locations will purchase some in the spring, getting ready for the summer season. Yeah. this year, I doubt that's going to happen. Um, so you do like private labeling, basically? Yeah. So uh, I have like okay. 140 fragrance options. Uh, I can custom private label them with any graphics. Essentially, my name's not on them at all. Uh, it's 100% your product. I'm just manufacturing it. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a great business model. We actually have. I was kind of personally curious because we we thought about making um, like one candle this year. Mm-hmm. It's actually uh, a uh, citronella candle. Oh yeah, have to just, just make a citronella candle because that's one rule we have. Like everything we make has to be like a tool. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're not ever going to make like lavender bath soap kind of thing. Like we would make something that's more like like our pumice 
So it's more of a tool than it is like a luxury, I guess. Yeah, more utilitarian. Exactly. Yeah, man, private label candles, dude. I, I, I can't see why that wouldn't be like keeping you busy all day, every day. That's- I wish it was. I, uh, I've been innovating over the last month and working on doing an online course teaching people how to start their own candle business. Um, oh, okay. And like doing it from start to finish. And like it's really easy to make a candle. Like you can find a million videos on YouTube on how to make a candle. But what most people don't realize or understand is all of the stuff behind it. Like, where do you source all of your materials? How do you, yeah. like, how do you price out your product exactly so you know down to the penny how much it's costing you to produce so that you can know what your margins are, things like that. Uh, how to do your taxes, how to uh, know whether or not to pay rent or purchase a building, how to know when the right time is to hire somebody, things like that. Like there's a lot of factors that go into owning your own business that most people don't think about when they're like, Oh, I like to make candles. Yeah. There's a lot of people making candles. It's like candles and soap, like hand hand bar soap. Yeah, man. If we, we might, maybe we'll hit you up on some candles or something. I wouldn't, I've looked into it, but, yeah, and I'll give you a good like, price. <laughs> yeah, man, we're uh, we've been we've been we've had our heads wrapped around so many other things, mm-hmm. so many other products we're working on. The candles is kind of at the bottom of the list, <laughs> but it is something that we want to do eventually. Mm-hmm. Well, man, it's been good talking with you, dude. I appreciate you uh, interviewing me for the podcast. Definitely. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for tuning in today. If you guys enjoyed this episode, head over to walrusoil.com and check out the many excellent products that Dave and his team have developed. You can also check Walrus Oil out at Walrus Oil on Instagram. If you guys enjoyed the episode today, head on over to allamericanmaker.us and join our community today. Not only can you sign up for our email list, You can also purchase many excellent All-American Maker products. You can also go to patreon.com slash all-american maker to support the podcast monthly. You can sign up for our sticker club, or you can sponsor a specific episode and have us feature your business today. Thanks again, and hope you have a great day.